Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. I want to mention just a few thoughts about the storm or that I had during the storm before I get into our uh, regularly scheduled message here. One of the thoughts I had was how we're such creatures of habit. I, I realized when we lost electricity, I kept doing the same things I'd always done, even though they didn't work anymore. So I'd walk into a dark room and I'd turn the light switch on. I knew we didn't have electricity, but it's just my habit. And so I think, oh, I need to quit doing that. But I would keep doing it. And there were a lot of other things. I just did it out of habit. My wife told me, she said, hey, stop using dishes and and silverware because we don't have a way to wash them. <laughs> we don't have water. So I said, sure. I just used the paper plates and plastic, you know, uh, forks and knives. And But guess what? I kept getting out the regular plates. I kept getting out the regular glasses. After I start using them, my wife looked at me like, what are you doing? I said, oh, sorry. You know, I wasn't trying to be hard-headed. It was just my habit. Even though I'd said I was going to do something differently and I had agreed to it, I just kept doing it. And I thought, man, we're such creatures of habit. And I feel like there was a message in that for me and I believe for all of us right now. And you know, God's, God's, I believe, bringing us into a new season. The old things aren't going to work anymore. We can keep trying to do them. You know, we can keep going into those rooms and go, oh, we need to flick the switch, right? We keep trying to turn the power on the same way, but it's not going to keep working the same way. And I believe God wants to teach us to depend on him because what happens is God starts working in a certain way and we get used to doing that. And after a while, we don't depend on God anymore. We depend on our habits. Sometimes God would change things up to get us to depend on him again, to where we're seeking him, praying more, looking for how he's going to make things work, right? And I believe that's where we are. And we need to, we need to be willing to let go of those things that aren't working anymore. We need to be willing to, to not try to go back to that and do that again. Our flesh and our habits want to do that, but I believe God's pulling us out of that into the new things. And so that's the season we're in. Another thing I was thinking about during the snow is how relative the concept of achievement is to us. You know, uh, during this week, I was spending my time fixing things. And every time I'd start to get, you know, want to do something right or whatever, something would pop up. You know, I'd have to go fix this or I'd have to fix that. I have to do this and, or I have to go help somebody do that. Or, I mean, one thing after the other, some seems like almost every time when I felt like I was getting ready to do something that was uh, help me go forward with what I'm supposed to be doing in life. Boom, here comes a here comes a problem. I sat back one day and I thought, wow, even though I didn't go forward like you'd normally think, I had a little bit of a sense of accomplishment just because we survived, you know. <laughs> we got through this issue that way. We got through this issue that way. And I started thinking in history, right now, you know, we have a mindset that, you know, we want to get something done. We want to achieve certain things to feel good about the week or the you know, but in history, there were times when people felt good at the end of the week if they were still alive, you know, or, or they and their family uh, had food at the end of the week. That was a wonderful accomplishment. I was just thinking about that and applying that. Of course, that's pretty dramatic. But I was thinking how we need to recognize the different seasons of God and not judge one season's accomplishments by the accomplishments of a different season. God's always doing something different. 
And you have to recognize what's God doing right now, not gauge your success based on standards that are not for right then. Don't base your achievement, your measure of achievement based on some kind of preconceived notion. We always have to walk with the Lord and say, God, what am I supposed to be doing now? What's your role for me right now? And, and just be faithful with that. Don't judge yourself by what and you know, a season somebody else is in. Where are you right now? It's okay to be where you are. Just be faithful. Keep going forward. Keep trusting God. But that's the big question, actually, is am I walking with the Lord and am I doing what I'm supposed to be doing right now? And find the blessing in that. Are you faithful with where you are right now? And I would encourage you, don't judge the next season by where you are right now. I believe God's got so many different things in store. And there's going to be a season of, I believe, of reaping in the kingdom, of bringing in the harvest, of seeing more and more people come to Christ. You know, you can't, at that time, you're going, we're going to need to be engaged in different kinds of things. So I just wanted to say, don't judge your seasons by past seasons. Think about this. What was important last season may not be important in the season that's coming up, right? So just remember that. And lastly here, what, what about the message of the snow? I don't know that I have the message of what God was trying to say. I do believe there's, there's a message in it, most likely. Snow is a symbol for cleansing. It's a symbol of a new beginning. I sure hope that it's a symbol that God's saying, I'm getting ready to, to clean out some things. I'm getting ready to, to give you a new start. And a, and a fresh beginning. I'm not sure about that, but I, I do believe things like that are coming. I certainly believe that it's a continuation of causing us to start to look to the Lord and breaking the, the lure of this world off of our minds. I believe coronavirus started that. You know, this America is a place where everybody gets wrapped up into success. We always want to start going forward. And, you know, to be successful, you know, there's so much to do in this country and, and, and to enjoy you know, to have pleasures. And those within themselves are not bad, but when we make them our, the object of our attention, and that's where we're running, and that's what we're thinking about every day, then it gets bad. So I believe God started to break that. And I believe that this storm was another part of that, where the excitement of life sort of gets broken. We're taught to slow down. A lot of us didn't have phone service or data service or internet service or even electricity, many of us, or water. <laughs> so you've got to slow down. I mean, and I, I recognized how on the inside of me, there's something that just wants to go, go, go. You know, and I believe that the Lord wants us to have seasons where he said, I want you to stop. I want you to stop and slow down. I believe it's important for all of us. Sabbath is like that. We should have a day of the week where we just slow down and give it to the Lord and we pull away. That's so important. But I believe God also gives us times and seasons where he, he, he just wants us to learn to disengage from so much just to be able to rest. You know, we rest by faith too. We rest by faith. We stop going forward by faith. We trust in God by faith with whatever we're doing in life and just saying, God, I'm going to just pull away and rest my soul. So anyway, I do believe that's one of the things that God was doing. I'm not sure what God was saying through the snow, but I sure, certainly do hope that he was saying uh, he's getting ready to clean some things out. And it's going, you know, he, he's you know, foretelling that there's going to be a, a new beginning somehow. Okay, well, today I want to share with you about 
the call of God. I'm going to use Paul's life as an illustration. We want to see the call of God on his life and see how God brought that to pass because we all have a call on our lives. We're all called to do something. There's a purpose on each of our lives, and we might not hear about it the way Paul did. Paul had Jesus come and appear to him. Now, what an amazing testimony, right? How would you like to give that testimony over and over? Hey, I was just walking. I wasn't serving the Lord. I was killing people. You know, it's amazing how many people are ambitious for God who don't know God. <laughs> you know, that's the most crazy thing. And uh, he thought he was doing God a service. He was uh, coming against all the Christians and killing them, thinking that he was doing God a service. But the Bible says, and Paul mentioned this later, I did it ignorantly and in unbelief. I suppose some people do it intentionally. They know what they're doing is wrong, <laughs> and they just keep resisting God. But Paul was doing it ignorantly and in unbelief. And Jesus demonstrates himself to Paul. He just shows up one day, boom, in a bright light. I just think if you look at what Jesus initially tells Paul, it's really interesting. It's not what we would normally think Jesus would, would you know, how he would reveal himself to people. You know, but he's like, Paul, you know, why are you persecuting me? Why are you doing this? And then, and then he says, I'm going to show you how much, how much, right? He says this later. I'm going to show him how much he's going to suffer for my namesake. But anyway, what do you guys remember as Paul's call? What was he called to do? Most people would actually get this word wrong. They would say, Paul was called to the Gentiles. That's only part right. It says in Acts 9, 5, well, this is, God speaking to Ananias, not Sapphira's husband, but he's speaking to a man named Ananias. And he says in Acts 9, 15, he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. This was the call of God on his life. Now, I want to just highlight the one today that we probably have looked at the least, and that is his call to reach kings or to bear God's name, to bear Christ's name before kings. I think that's just such an interesting thing that someone had a call of God to reach kings. Now, why would that be? Well, first of all, God does want everybody to hear the gospel. And I do think that a lot of the people that are high up uh, never get to hear the gospel, or they don't hear it very accurately. You know, we tend to um, cater to people. We tend to cater to people who are in high position. We wouldn't necessarily want to give the full gospel to them. We'd be very nice and delicate and maybe, you know, just say something so sweet to maybe give them a little flavor of, of the gospel, right? And maybe give them, get them to say a little prayer. If you were to go through the gospel <laughs> and through Acts, and see the message that Paul did have for these when he got to speak to them. It wasn't a watered-down message. We're not doing anybody any favors when you water down the message. If you water down the message because you're speaking to somebody important, you're not doing them any favors. You're not helping them. One of the greatest reasons why some of these celebrities, they come out, oh, I've become a Christian, and then they don't make it very, you know, they don't do very well. They heard such a watered-down message. They heard such a man-pleasing message, something that never that challenged them, something that never caused them to, to realize that they needed to lay their life down before God and come back to God. The, the message isn't just, hey, just a mental accept Jesus. No, it's come back to God. Turn your life back to God. 
uh, turn away from you serving yourself and your attitudes. And, and it's all about God now. It's not a man-centered gospel. It's not about man becoming all man could be. It's about man becoming what he's been called to be in God, which is great. You know, that is all you can be. But the point is, Christ is the center of the gospel message, not man. Man is, the, is why it was done. But anyway, I, I guess I should say Christ is the center of everything because the gospel message, Jesus definitely did come from man. Anyway, but another reason why I believe that God was giving somebody an anointing, a grace, a call to reach kings is because it was strategic. I believe that God wanted his message to go to leaders of the earth, and I believe he still does today. And there's a variety of reasons for this. One thing is, I believe that God wants leaders to be impacted by the gospel. He wants leaders to have the conscience of right and wrong pricked in them toward, so that they would rule right. Even if they don't serve God, I believe that God wants the message to come to them so that they would have their hearts inclined to do right. When Paul went to Felix later, and he got to talk to, he's the first politician. He got to talk to him about God. What did he do? Did he say, God has a wonderful plan for your life? Maybe. But what it says in the Bible was that he talked to him about self-control, righteousness, and the judgment to come. It said it made Felix afraid. And he said, Paul, uh, I'll have to talk to you later. Now, did Paul go, oh, no, I gave him too hard of a message. Paul never said that. Paul depended on the message, and he's like, I'm not going to compromise the message, right? Now, Felix didn't end up getting saved, but you know what I believe? I believe that the message had an impact on his life. Even him hearing the message about uh, righteousness, repentance, uh, judgment, and turning back to God uh, brought the fear of God into his life at some degree. And it said he had to leave because he wanted to leave. I've told people many times when the power of God begins to show up and God begins to bring people to repentance, to bring him, them to him, some of them, they just want to run out the door because they feel so uncomfortable. There's something working on the inside of them. They just don't want to hear it. Now, I can tell you there are certain messages. They're called man-pleasing messages. If you go to hear them, they will never rub people the wrong way. And they're said in such a way as to never agitate anybody. Well, let me just say, if you're never agitating anybody, you are not sharing the gospel because the gospel has to agitate. It comes against our flesh. It comes against our human nature to want to, to be selfish and rebellious against God and do things our way, you see. But anyway, my point there is, look what happened. Felix didn't get saved. So Paul could say, oh, I really missed it. No, you had an impact on Felix and maybe on the future at some degree because that word you planted in him is working in him. Maybe he'll change some of the, his decisions down the road. Maybe he'll rule a little differently because the fear of God has now been brought into his life. Now, I've been sharing this for years probably, but I believe this is coming into the earth. I believe God is going to restore his message. I believe that God's going to begin to restore the fear of God in the church. I believe that there's actually even going to be some judgments that are in the earth actually bring back the fear of God. We saw where Herod was taken 
you know, because, and he was not a Christian. He was taken because of something that he did, and it was just the judgment of God. I just believe some of the things like that are going to begin to happen. But one thing that definitely needs to begin to happen is we need to begin to preach the full gospel to every man, high and low. There's not one gospel for the low person and another for the high. It's the same gospel for everybody. Everybody has to submit to King Jesus. He's the Lord of Lords and King of Kings. So anyway, God wants that message out. God wants that message out. So Paul might be able to look and go, oh, look, Felix didn't come to the Lord. Man, I missed it. I failed. No, he did his part. He got the word out. The word's going to do its work, right? Amen. So I want to mention something else about this. We see in this that there's a unique call that Paul had. And, you know, not everybody's called to go to Kings, obviously, you know, but Paul was. He had a unique call. And I would say that every single one of us has a unique call that's special. Now, we can read in the Word of God and recognize there's certain things we all ought to be doing. And hopefully we're all involved in a ministry where as God has these, the seasons and times where things open up, we all recognize, oh, our, our ministry, our church is supposed to be doing this right now, and I'm a part of that. But even beyond that, we all have our individual calls and purpose in God. God has graced every single one of us with a purpose, with a call. You see, He's given you a certain personality. He's given you certain talents. Those things aren't just for you. He made you specially for Him, but He also made you with a purpose in mind. He's, uh, he gives you spiritual gifts. Those are gifts of the Spirit. They can come when you get saved, but particularly after you're baptized with the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit, which we see happen many times in the Bible over and over. As we are full of the Holy Spirit, bubbling in the Holy Spirit, the gifts of God begin to flow in us more and more. And of course, he'd use inner desires. You know, he gives us desires in alignment with the purpose of God. However, we will always confuse what those desires are and try to fulfill them the wrong way if we're not aligned with God. It's only a submission of heart, a humility. And let me tell you this, it's the humble that understands the Lord. It's the humble people that seek God, that, that want to know truth, that are going to be able to hear from the Lord and understand what they're to do in this hour. And that's, that is so important. Lastly, I would just say, and God will call you to some things you don't necessarily feel called to because of your fears. He'll often call you right into something you would say, that's the last thing I want to do because of your fears and your insecurities and going, oh, I could never do that. Well, that was Moses. That was the Israelites called to go fight the giants, right? But anyway, I just want to encourage you in that, that you have a special and unique call in God. There's something that you are supposed to do that nobody else can. God had a special design and connections and a path where Paul ended up meeting many dignitaries and being able to share the gospel with them. You and I will never have those open doors unless God's called us to something like that. 
And likewise, you're going to be in certain situations in life. You're wired a certain way. God's grace will increase a certain way in you to reach a certain section of the population or a certain people or to do certain things that other people just are not wired for. You see, you might go, oh, you know, I'm just so insignificant. My part is so small. The Bible says every part is so important. And the parts that seem the smallest are even the most necessary to get the job done and to make the whole body work. And he uses this example. He says there are these apparent things of the body when, you know, like that we go, oh, those are so important. The eyes, the ears, the fingers. But there are other parts that are, we don't even notice them. You know, most of the time we don't notice our heart unless it's not working right. And then you pay attention to it, right? But then what about your spleen? You know, what would you do without a spleen? What would you do without a pancreas? You don't think about it every day, do you? But all these little hidden parts are so important. And that's the way it is in the body of Christ. Every little part is so important. And just imagine what it's going to be like as the body begins to take the form that we've been called to take, when everybody is doing their part, when we're honoring the hidden parts as well as those who have the big names. You see, because God doesn't see one as more important in his eyes than the other. They just have different roles in the body. Paul was called to do that. If God had shown up to Paul and given a bright light and said, Paul, I wanted you to do something different, Paul would have done that. And I'm just encouraging you today, be faithful with what you've been given to do, though it might look small. Do you not ever think Paul was discouraged? Look at all he suffered. Look at all that he went through. And if you study it, it looks like he wasn't as successful as he could have been. When he, even when he died, it looked like his churches, you know, they were small, weren't necessarily growing like you would have thought. There were so many problems and issues in those churches. And even in reaching these kings, I don't know of a single one of the dignitaries that actually ever came to the Lord. Think about that. God is sending him with a message to these kings, and we don't know of a single one of them that I can remember that got saved. Now, dude, actually just was remembering there is one that he, a governor that he went to on an island. I guess that was Acts 13 that got saved. But, but as the, the big political bigwigs of these big, big places... We don't know of a single one that ended up getting saved that I can remember. Maybe there's another one that I had forgotten. So anyway, I just want to encourage you. You're anointed for something if you're saved. And that anointing is going to increase. And you need to discover what that is. Ask God, Lord, what am I called to do? What am I supposed to be doing with my life? What am I supposed to be faithful for? What am I supposed to be praying for? You see, one of the reasons why I believe a lot of people don't get zealous for God is because they don't connect their purpose, that the main thing they're supposed to be doing with God. Maybe they just think, oh, I'm just supposed to work. I'm just supposed to make money. Uh, everybody does that. People who aren't believers do that too. People who don't know God, uh, they do that too. You see, you've got to connect to a God purpose to ignite the zeal for God on the inside of you. What does God want you to do with your life? What's your great purpose in life? Is it just to casually go, oh, I have something, da, 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 da. or should we have the mindset of, I have a purpose in life. I should be praying about that every day. I should be going forward. Maybe you just see a little gist of what you're supposed to be doing. 
All you need is a little something and begin to ignite with that. Begin to connect with that. I love that Jesus was saying, don't you, you know, when he was little, don't you know I had to be in my father's house? And later he was like, hey, my food is to do the will of my father. You see, there is a food, a fulfillment that comes to you by doing what God wants you to do, by connecting with your purpose in life. A lot of people would just say, oh, we don't need to do, we just need to be. I understand we need to be more than we need to do. But I am just telling you this, you will discover God a lot in what you do if you begin to recognize God is in that. God has wired you for something, called you for something. And as you are walking that out, you are going to discover God in an amazing dimension. Paul discovered God in an amazing dimension as he began to walk out what God had called him to do. It was many years even before he was set into that ministry, but God called him from the beginning. He began to run right then. He was running one direction. God called him. He started running the other direction with the same vigor. So he's running in the other direction, and God begins to order his steps, but God begins to train him. He begins to equip him. He puts him around the right people. Why? Because now Paul is going in the direction of what he's been called to do. Everything begins to come together little by little. Now, it doesn't look that way when he's in it, but we have hindsight, and we can see what he went through. We can see how God put things together, you see? And as you connect with God's purpose for your life, as you submit your life to God's will completely, and as you recognize there's a higher call on your life than just to exist as a Christian, just to live morally, there's a higher call to serve the Lord to walk with him and do what he's called you to do and be one with him in that. You know, it's not just like, oh, we have this kind of relationship where he just tells me what to do and I do it. No, there's a, there's a union, but a lot of that union comes as you walk with God. You know, it's interesting, Paul, when Jesus revealed himself to Paul, he didn't say, Paul, I've loved you so much and you keep resisting me. I am, he, he doesn't even say, talk like that. But guess what, later, Paul explains about the depth of the love of God. About And he says that's the most, one of the most important things we get to know. But he didn't get to know it just because somebody told him, or even because God came and just said, Paul, I love you. He didn't do that. I mean, in our, the way we would think that that's, that's the way Jesus would have revealed himself to Paul. He's like, Paul, what have you been doing? You know, why are you persecuting me? <laughs> get up and do this, and I'm going to tell you what, you what you're going to have to do. But you see, in walking it out with God, he realized, wow, this is the greatest thing. The greatest thing is knowing him. But you see, that comes through the walk. I can't tell you today something and boom, you're going to know him. You might be invited to it, but then you've got to walk the walk. And it's through walking this thing out and pressing into the Lord and, and wanting to know who he is and pressing into him that you begin to understand more and more about the love of God. Anyway, getting back to where I was, I believe that the, God's dream, God's call, God's purpose for every person is bigger than what they could have ever done for themselves. You could have never done it in the natural, so to speak. That's spiritual talk for uh, in your own ability, in the natural. I, re I remember when I got saved, somebody said, hey, that word in the natural sounds like people don't have any clothes on. So no, 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 it doesn't mean that. It means they're doing things of their own, <laughs> of their own ability. Sarah laughed when God told her, hey, you're going to have a baby. A lot of people, they laugh or they don't take seriously what God tells them they're going to do. Paul could have wondered, how in the world am I ever going to talk to kings? 
How am I ever going to have the power of God, you know, to be influential among the kings? And, uh, you know, and I, I would encourage you in this too. Don't try to figure out how to do what God's called you to do. Think about this. I mean, could Moses have figured out how he was going to do it? God gave him a little bit of what is getting ready to happen, but he's going, oh man, what, what was he going to have to do? He was going to have to trust God. And what about many others? I mean, you can't figure out how God's going to do what he's going to do. You just have to be willing to go forward. And as you go forward, as God opens the door, you have to trust that he's going to make a way for you because God calls us to a life of faith. He's teaching us how to step out and trust him. If we had all the answers before we step out, you don't need to have trust, you see. And the great example of this is where Peter had to step out on the water, right? That's our faith. That's our life. That's our life. His walking on that water is our life. When God calls us out into the purpose of God and he says, come, or he says, go, or he, he compels us to do something. It's like stepping out on water sometimes because we're going, God, I don't see how I can do this. I don't know how I can go forward, but I hear the call to go forward. I hear the call to step out. And we have to be willing to take those steps and keep our eyes on Jesus all the way, lest we fall. God calls all of us out of the boat. Because that's the place where we learn faith. That's the place where we learn to look to God. That's the place where we learn how to make this stuff happen. Man, and it's exciting. But again, when God called you, remember, He's going to call you to do something you can't do on your own. And I would say too, He's going to do it a way you would have never imagined. How many times I think God's going to do something one way and He does it another? Almost every time when I figure out how God's going to do something, well, now when I figure it out, I go, Oh, I just figured out how God's going to do that. And then I say, so that means he's not going to do it that way. Because I, I can't ever figure out how God's going to do what he says he's going to do. You know, I think he has fun just watching me try or watching us try, you know, to figure out how he's going to do it. And we all will come up with that. Oh, it's going to happen like this. Oh, just forget it. If, if you figured out how it's going to happen, it's not going to happen that way. <laughs> I just say most of the time. You know, the greatest example of this was with Abraham. God told him, your son, he's got this great call on his life. I don't want to fulfill your promises through this son of yours. And then one day he says, kill that son. What? You see how God put him in a situation? He's, he's, he's going, it can't happen that way. He didn't know that was actually going to be how God was going to fulfill what he'd called him to. Because when he gave his son, I believe that triggered the blessing that came back. God the Father gave us his only son. But anyway, my point being, I was just going to say, he was trying to figure out, and it was all right. He figured out how it was going to happen. You know what? God's going to raise him from the dead. He figured that out. And God loves us figuring it out when we figure out an answer, and it's in faith. You know, God even, God even goes, I love your answer. I just consider that. That's faith right there. I love that. But it wasn't even right. He just said, God will raise him from the dead. You know, God wants us to walk a walk of faith in the call of God, even though we don't know where we're going, we don't know how it's going to be, and we have to figure it out. You know what? God will do whatever he has to do to make this thing work out because he's given me a word. Everything's looking backwards. Nothing's looking right. It looks like I'm going downhill. But you know what? God's able to make things work out. And even though you figure it out wrong, figure it out with faith. Just, just put your faith in there. You know, you think about Joseph. Here Joseph was. He's called to be a leader of leaders. He doesn't know how it's going to work out. And what happens? He ends up going down. 
instead of up. He gets thrown into the pit by his brothers instead of being exalted by his brothers. Then he goes from there to slavery. He served as a slave and he tried to be as honorable as he could. He, was, he served his master. Then guess what? He gets wrongfully accused. I mean, he's going from bad to worse. I mean, how many of us would go, God, you, you must have lied to me. You must have, you know, something, something happened wrong here. And I just want to just mention, we all are tempted to think that way. And I can guarantee almost, I just say, I believe everybody goes through this in life. If you're walking with the Lord, you're going to be in seasons and times where it looks like you're going backwards, where nothing is working. In fact, it looks like what you felt like you ought to be doing. You're doing the exact opposite. The exact opposite things are happening in your life. It happened, I believe, to Paul, you know, through the story there. And it's, it's happened to so many people. It happened to Joseph. I want to just encourage you, trust him when you don't understand him. Trust him when you can't understand what's going on in your life. And remember, when you're taking a path that is going in a bad direction, I don't mean morally bad. I mean, just looks like bad things are happening. Trust in God. And no, you're going to come out of this thing. It's going to be better. And God will use even what the devil meant for evil to turn everything around for good for you. Remember that, because that's exactly how God works. Getting back to Paul, you could see Paul, you know, God fulfilled Paul's call in a very strange way. He went to jail. Acts 20, 24 says this, I'm bound to go to Jerusalem not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except the Holy Spirit is telling me in every city. He's telling me in every city. We might get into this next week. How is he telling them in every city? Saying that chains and tribulations await me. But none of these things move me, nor do I count my life as dear to myself, so that I might finish my race with joy and the ministry with which I, re that I received from the Lord to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. We see he knows what he's supposed to do, but he doesn't know what's going to happen when he does it. He doesn't know what's going to happen. All he knows is I'm supposed to go to Jerusalem. And when I go there, I know there are trials and suffering. You know, that's what, that's what awaits me in Jerusalem. And how did he respond to that? Listen to this. He says, I am not moved by the recognition that there are trials and sufferings on the path of me fulfilling God's will for my life. For any of us that want to fulfill the call of God, this is one of the most important attitudes we can have. As we used to say, and probably a lot of people still say, come hell or high water, whatever gets thrown at me, I'm going to serve the Lord. I'm going to keep going forward. I am not going to back up. Whatever I have to go through, I have made a determination that I'm going to go through it. I'm going to serve God. I don't care what happens. You see, there has to be some kind of resolve on the inside of us that enables us to do what we need to do. If we don't have resolve, we are not going to be able to stand strong in the day of battle. We're not going to be able to stand strong when things get difficult, you see. Now, some people get difficulties thrust upon them, like Joseph. Poop, it just came into his lap one day. Others of us 
We have to make decisions that end up taking us there. Meaning, we have to make a choice in life, and sometimes the choice is obey God, and it's obviously going to be difficult to do that, or you can take the easy route. That is more difficult. That's a much more difficult situation in my mind. Paul's situation is more difficult than Joseph's, because I'm not saying Joseph's wasn't difficult by any means, but I'm just saying Paul has this choice, God's highest and best for my life, for me to fulfill the the greatest things I can do in life, is to go this route. But the Holy Spirit is telling me everywhere I go, there's going to be suffering there. Other people are sensing that, and they're trying to get me not to go. But I have decided I'm not going to even value my life so that I might fulfill my course Look at that resolve. And he said, he said, so that I might do it with joy. You see, when you make a resolve to serve God, no matter what comes your way, you're able to have joy. But if you're in that place, you're always having to decide, oh, am I going to do this? Oh, am I going to do this? You know what? You're tossed back and forth and tormented. Some people, they're tossed just about trying to come to church on Sunday or to visit, come to Zoom on Sunday, right? You know, they can't even have a resolve about that. But God wants us to be resolved to serve faithfully and to say, God, I'm going to do whatever I'm called to do. Now, look at the resolve Paul had. I know he was called to suffer in an unusual way. God even said, I'm going to have to show Paul all he's going to have to suffer for my name. But each one of us has many decisions Many opportunities, whether we're going to serve God or serve our flesh. Are we going to lay down our life? Are we going to be faithful to the call? Are we going to give God his time? You know, that's such an interesting thing. So many people have served God and they had resolve to do things like they're even going to get him killed. You look at like Paul, his resolve ended up getting him killed. Isaiah, his resolve ended up getting him killed. Many others in the Bible times, their resolve produced a huge amount of suffering. And look at the lack of resolve that so many of us have. I think we're more like Solomon. Think about Solomon. Solomon was given everything, and yet he would not make the resolve to be faithful to God because of all of his blessings. You think about that. Yet he was born with a silver spoon in his mouth. He wasn't able to have the resolve that he needed to serve God faithfully. That's a real shame. But, you know, I believe that that's the way a lot of Christians are in America. We've been given so much. We just take it for granted. You know, we we don't give God his time. We run after things all the time. Uh, We're distracted from God. We don't prioritize God or the gospel. And we prioritize everything else. And I'm just thinking, God, if so many people have had the resolve to even go the most difficult route, in life and do that kind of thing. How much more should we who are blessed, like Solomon, so to speak, was blessed, how much more should we have resolved to be faithful, to prioritize God, to put Him first over all things, to live our lives for Him, to spend time with Him daily, to to want to serve Him. He's blessed all of us so much. It's just, it's unbelievable that we take that for granted. But uh, I want to encourage you today because just like Paul was given resolve to do that huge thing. Whatever you need to do in life, 
God will give you resolve too, but you have to want to do it. You've got to want to be faithful. You've got to want to persevere. You've got to want to fulfill your course, you know, to finish what God's called you to do. You've got to want to do that, and you've got to be willing to pay the price for that. You've got to be willing to suffer, even though suffering and sacrificing for you won't probably be anything at all like it was for um, Paul and for so many others. But no, there's no doubt about it. Each one of us that wants to serve God will have to make some difficult choices and sacrifice and go some places your flesh just doesn't want to go. So I want to encourage you in that. There's a great joy. If you press past your flesh, there's a the great joy in that. You think Paul lived a horrible life? No, he lived a life where he was, he said, we overcome in whatever we're going through. I live my life full of joy. In fact, if you see what happened when he's going to talk to all those kings, he ended up leading a bunch of other people to the Lord, like Roman soldiers and people in the royal household. You know, it's just amazing what he did. And not only that, look at all those letters that he wrote. You know, Paul was so busy, he would have probably been tugged here and there working. But guess what? He's in jail. He's writing a bunch of letters. God used that time where it looked like he wasn't getting very much done to get something very differently accomplished. Very different, right? As I was saying earlier, we can't judge one season by another because God's doing different things in different seasons. Paul could have thought, man, I haven't really started many churches over these last few years. Da, da, da. But guess what? He's just being faithful in his season. He's just writing letters. Maybe it seemed like one of the smallest things in his mind. He probably had no idea what those letters would accomplish over the next thousands of years. Anyway, well, let's just pray. I want to trust God to stir you up in your call today, that you'd begin to be zealous for the Lord, to accomplish great things for God, to go forward, to not allow this life to get you down. I just pray today that you'd have the resolve you need to go forward in life and to press into God for faith, to press into know Him, and to press into for, to run that race that God's given you and finish it before you meet your maker. Father, we just want to thank you for this hour. We thank you for the call of God that you've given every single one of us. You've given us a call so that we can be used of you. Oh, God, what a great joy just to think to be one with Christ, to walk with God, to see other people come to know Jesus. Um, Lord, to see the power of God flow through our lives. And Lord, we thank you. Our joy doesn't depend on how much stuff we get. It doesn't depend on how much natural success we get. Lord, our joy comes from the Lord. And Father, our rejoicing is in the Lord. And we can thank you and praise you in even the most difficult of circumstances because we know you're with us and that we are more than overcomers no matter what we ever go through. And Father, we can live this life of victory and walk in victory and in complete confidence in all times and all things. We thank you for this now. Now, Lord, we pray you'd empower us and train us just like you did, Paul. Lord, we pray you'd put our church together, put this minister together, make all things to come together, God, in this hour for your great purpose. And Lord, we pray you'd find us faithful doing whatever you've called us to do when you come back. Lord, may your church be faithful doing what it's supposed to be doing when you come back. Help us, Lord. We're here. We're here for you, God. And oh, we're so excited about partnering with you, the call of God on each of our lives to, to walk this thing out, God, and to do the will of God. Lord, our meat, our food, our nourishment is to do the will of God and to be united with you in what you want us to do. Thank you for helping us now. Thank you for being with us and leading us in Jesus' name. Amen.